This audio message will serve as a warning and a disclaimer that this particular episode of the Delta Flyers podcast will contain discussion of the topic of suicide. The Delta Flyers, Robert Duncan McNeil, and myself, Garrett Wong, in no way, shape, or form condone suicide. If you happen to be struggling with thoughts of suicide, we urge you to contact your local suicide prevention hotline number. We will try to include as many numbers as possible in the show notes for this podcast episode. Thank you for listening and live long and prosper. Welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are myself, Garrett Wong, and my co-host, Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil. Hello. Hello, ladies and germs. Hello. That's that's a a COVID joke. Ladies and germs. Get it? Yes. Yes. But you didn't come up with that. We've we've heard that that for many, many, many years. Many, many years. It's an old old kind oldie but goodie lighthearted it's an oldie but goodie that i think is good to bring back during covid yeah. times ladies and germs oh my ladies Lord. and viruses <laughs> do you have how often do you have to take a test for your work at this point twice a week i have been tested at least twice a week on my last show uh, that i was doing august and september and part of october we were doing three days a week on that show Mm. Currently, we're doing two, mostly two. Sometimes we're adding a third, depending on the work week. But uh, yeah, 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 it's and a lot. I'm telling, yeah, <clears throat> and you know, I've been working on uh, an acting gig, and so then they are testing me all the time. Like every mm-hmm. before I go to work, every time I have to go to work, I have wow. to test. So wow, and it's been crazy. It really has been. Are you doing throat or nasal swabbing? Nasal swabbing, lower nasal swabs, not the brain yeah. tickler, not the one that right. goes way in the back. Right, but the lower nasal swab. Um, that's yeah. still uncom- That's still uncomfortable and not cool too. Even the lower one. I've had the lower one too. It's yeah. just like. Ugh, I know, also I've I've done a spit test, which I is did that the, one too. I've done that one. I've done the mm-hmm. lower nasal swab, the upper nasal, which was very painful. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a well, lot of different. All, we've done all three. I've done upper, lower nasal, and I've done th- spit. Yeah. Thing. And that's the one where you kind of cough your spit up kind of a thing. I guess right? so. I don't remember. This is getting bit. too detailed for me. <laughs> is it TMI? It's TMI. Yes, it's TMI. Let's just it is stick TMI. to ladies Let's and germs. Let's just stick to the yes, ladies, and germs. ladies and germs. is good. Welcome to <laughs> the Delta Flyers, ladies and germs. Yeah, here we are. What is the episode this week that we're talking about? Death Wish. Death Wish. Oh, what an ominous name. Oh, Death Wish. Death Wish. I, uh, hmm. yeah, I'm... I forgot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Death Wish. I'm excited. Hey. Yes, I'm excited too. Let's go watch this. Come back and um, let's recap and, and give everyone give everyone our thoughts on this episode. And for all of our Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for what do we remember? <laughs> I don't know why I did that way. You're silly. I know. This is. Classic for Voyager, actually. I remember a this, lot of things now that we're back. This was a thinking episode. This yes. is an episode that just makes you go, oh my gosh. It's like there's a lot of depth to this episode, right? Agreed. Agreed. So I'm 
I'm going to, I'm going to see if you, you want to throw out your limerick first to start off. The I will, thing. I will throw okay. out my limerick and I'll follow with the roll hiking. down here. So I just want to say with my limerick, like one thing that happened early in this episode is uh, Chakotay says, do you know, it looks, feels and tastes like a comet. And I just couldn't stop thinking about that, that he tasted, he looks, feels, and tastes like a comet. Okay, so with that said, I'm going to give you my limerick. On the comet crust, Chakotay liked to chew, but transported over from inside was a cue. He wanted to die. Janeway broke the tie, so Q put the continuum in his rear view. Oh, sir, okay. that okay. was impressive. Okay. I oh man, smooth. you better. I'm you better pat. I'm oh. smooth. I'm smooth. I'm smooth. Okay, that's the pat that's my yourself limerick. on the back. Pat yourself <laughs> on the back. That was really, really impressive. What the heck, man? Did you did overtime have, I, on that? I did have a little help from Rebecca on that because I, oh, I was stumped God. on some of the rhymes. So well, yeah, you know, teamwork. You credited, teamwork. You credited RJ for that. So good. Good yes. one on uh, Rebecca. Okay, yeah. so that is really, really funny. That was teamwork. All right. Okay, ready for your haiku. Haiku time. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Q beamed aboard ship. Makes request for asylum. Janeway grants his wish. Whoa. ASMR. ASMR. Whoa. Oh, interesting. This is yeah. a hard one. Like... That's a great haiku. I'm very Thank impressed. You. I'm always impressed with the haiku because they're so kind of, uh, they're like, you know, uh, impressionistic. They're just they are. little tastes, right? So you yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't have to it's give like the appetizer. whole meal. It's like an appetizer. You're, it can be so meaningful and symbolic. Totally. You're not eating the whole comet. It's just uh -uh. a little bit of the comet. Just a bite of the comet mm, crust. Just a little bite. Yes. <laughs> But I will, that was a funny line. You're right. But I will say there. it was very funny. <laughs> I will say um, this episode is hard to capture in a, even a haiku or a limerick or a synopsis because it's, it's a very complicated um, subject matter, I guess, is what I, I will. I will start with my overview of like, this is a sure. tricky episode. The subject matter of suicide. Let's just, you know talk about what it is talking mm. about suicide is a very uncomfortable it can be and i think for most people is a very uncomfortable subject and so i thought this was a really interesting um episode in terms of its sort of intellectual uh challenges that it presented it was not an action-packed episode we didn't go you know we weren't having space battles and there was very little um, adventure in it, honestly. You know, they went to the they went to the one uh, scene where they go to the continuum, and it and it's kind of a um, you know a pretty but boring place. I mean, you sort of get why Quinn is like, I can't do this anymore. Like, there's nothing to hope for. There's nothing stimulating about this. It's all everything's been done. Life has been lived. I'm done. I'm ready to stop. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Lots to talk about with this episode, but yeah, uh, let me just 
I, before I forget, you, you talked about, you know, the continuum being kind of a boring, boring place. They de- depicted, a, mm. uh, it was very obvious. It was shot in the, you know, California desert. You can see yeah. Joshua trees in the background there. And mm. as much as, you know, Janeway sort of said, this, this is it, this is it. You know, she's sort of like, wow, this yeah. is like nothing. But to me as an actor, I'm like, oh, God, I would have dreamed to be on location right there. That would have been wonderful yeah. because, you know, Kim's always on the damn ship. I, I, I very rare, you know, a lot of times um, yeah. uh, when everyone gets to, to, to shoot uh, in a different setting where they're utilizing, um, you know, modern day backgrounds and, and maybe, uh, you know, whatnot uh, out in the middle of the California desert, Kim is always on the damn ship. And mm-hmm. uh, in this, in this uh, episode, it, that desert looked wonderful to me. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw that note out there. Yeah, I um, think that often with our show, when we um, when we were able to go out, they didn't go out very often on location. But when we did, it was it was really beautiful scenery. It was out to, you know, the dry lake beds or out to Joshua Tree or out to Lone Pine or yeah. some of these places that were just really beautiful, yep. um, beautiful you know uh locations so yeah i know what you mean I, I looked at that and i was like oh that's pretty cool that actually looks pretty cool um all right so this episode was directed by james conway i had forgotten that that he directed this one yes uh jimmy written, conway jimmy conway jamie conway uh uh jim conway directed it michael pillar wrote the script uh based on a story by his son sean pillar yes and sean pillar who is four years i you are four years older than me sean pillar is four years younger than me so when Mm -hmm. he submitted this storyline i calculated this he was i think at the tender age of 23 something around there i think he had just graduated from film school that sounds about in film school or something like that because i do remember michael pillar talking about his son and and sean is his stepson although i think michael raised sean most of his life so i know correct sean, sean and sean took michael's last name so certainly michael was like the father figure for sean uh in yeah. his life I, I don't know if you recall but sean actually came on set during this filming of this episode. oh i think i do remember and, him coming down yeah. yeah and that's very rare i mean you people that yeah. sell stories to voyager they don't usually show up on the set but of course Sean being Michael yeah. Pillar, the executive producer of a Voyager's son, um, has a little bit more carte blanche, you know, in terms of appearing and showing up on set. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, the yeah. executive producer's son actually sold a storyline to our show, which is great, you know. Yeah. Um, is it nepotism? I mean, Sean Pillar is a talented guy. I mean, as as you know now, I mean, I think he lives in Vancouver or Toronto, right? This I think point. he lives he's in been, Toronto now. Been, yeah, he's been producing shows and, and yeah. whatnot and writing for for God knows how long. This is that's his life. So um, he's definitely gone on to have a wonderful career. Um, but it was just so nice to be able to see, um, you know, Sean and meet him for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, and um, uh, you know, I was very proud of the fact that he was able to sell that story to the show. So well, it's good. a very complicated story. It really is. And for a 23-year-old mm-hmm. to come up with this story, whatever version, yeah, you know, impressive. often often stories are conceived, you know, um, the story could have been, I don't know what Sean's story is. He may have come up with all of the details and aspects of this story, or he may have just come up simply with like a couple sentences that said something like, 
you know, Q, a new Q appears on Voyager and, and doesn't want to be immortal. And the old Q shows up and they have to debate. Yeah. Uh, Janeway has to decide whether, whether you know, Q can die or not, period. Yeah. That might have been the whole story idea. Yeah. And based on that, yeah. the writing staff and the writers start to flesh it out. And you know, often that's all that is pitched as a story, but it's enough of an idea. It's, it's the essence yeah. of the idea that, that then gets developed. Um, yep. Oh, definitely. So, um, yeah, we do not, and this is something that I would love to ask Sean at some point, you know, how, when you pitched this, was it sort of a one-liner pitch where yeah. you just get a very brief pitch? Um, or was it more extensive where you really kind of, you know, you broke it down into acts and this yeah. and that? Um, because, yeah, because when it, and people don't realize that some of the pitches are very, very short. The very first scene, did you notice? You're not in that scene. What? Janeway's standing at your station on the bridge, well, the first time we go to the bridge, and you're not, you're nowhere to be found. Well, it's let's, just like, let's, where are you? Let's um, revisit something that we, I think we may have mentioned very early in this podcast. This, I may have told this story, I don't recall. Hmm. Or maybe it was on the Jonathan Frakes portion of our, one of our interviews with Jonathan. But hmm. this was the episode where that famous phrase, you're the one who wanted to go home, Robbie, came from. This is the episode. Are you sure? Jim, yes, Jim Conway <laughs> was directing, and I was on the bridge. We were all on the bridge, and that work had been scheduled for the second half of the day. And they were doing the whole trial, some of the trial scenes, particularly the one with Frakes and Ginsburg, Maury Ginsburg, and uh, Isaac Newton. They were doing that scene in the briefing room, and then they were coming on the bridge to do our bridge work. And I had said, hey, my kid has a, a, you know, a, a little league game, or there was something important that I wanted to try to make with my kid that day. Yeah. So I had mentioned it and they were behind. They were way behind because every time I came on stage, I remember hearing laughter and silliness in the briefing and they were, it seemed a little behind. And so <laughs> when they got to the bridge, you know, I was there, I had asked, or, you know, I really want to get out of here. Can I get shot out first? I'd love to get to my kids thing. And so when they finally, we were waiting for Jim Conway and those guys to come in from the other set. And I think I might've been laughing about something or making a joke. And Jim walked in very frustrated being behind, which I get as a director, I get frustrated when I'm behind too, but he walked in and he sort of snapped at me and said, because I was the one that happened to be laughing in the moment or whatever was going on. And he was like, you're the one who wants to go home early, Robbie. And I remember when he said that, I got so, I took it so personally. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. You know, I can't remember what I said to Jim. And I love Jim, he's a great guy. But I remember in that moment kind of going, wait a minute, don't snap at me because the other scene is two hours behind like yeah i wanted to go but anyway that's this episode Enough okay of that. that's can i no no can i give you can i give everyone my take of it like that's yeah, your view but i saw it too i was there okay oh, you were okay yes they were not coming from the briefing room over into the bridge we were already on the bridge filming we were already in the midst of filming and you really? were sitting down there yes you were sitting down there you're holding your book you're and you made some funny comment like you were 
you know, like how you are, you're a funny guy. So you made a funny comment. People started laughing and that pissed Conway off because he felt like you were, you know, (laughs) and then he said, and the way you said it, he was like, you're the one that want to go home uh, early, Robbie. Actually, he said your name first. He goes, Robbie, you're the one who wanted to go home early. And I looked at your face and you were like, oh. I mean, you just had this look of like, what the, how dare oh, you? Dear. And the thing, and, and what it was, was if, I would have to honestly say in seven years, I've never seen a director of ours rebuke an actor except for that one time. That yeah. is the only time that any director- Like point out an individual like, actor yeah, to make, a, make a, a lesson of them, an example well, of them. Yes, and he said it out loud so that front of everybody, everybody heard it. So that, everybody. Yeah, so, and that, that's what I took offense to, because I thought, mm, if I'm directing, and I have a problem with an actor, I'm going to go down to that actor. And same thing with you as you, and when you're a director, you yeah. know, in the times that you've had to deal with actors, maybe an actor is misbehaving or doing something. You'll usually come down, I'm guessing, and talk to them in private. You know, you're yeah, not going to sit there and, and, and embarrass them in front of the entire school, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. So, and when he did well, that, yeah, that, your was response was, you, you were so, oh God, you were so verklempt by that comment i remember you, I was really you, angry you and were surprised. trying to come up with a comeback and you kind of went well uh, okay jim like that like i mean whatever you came like with really really not- i thought i said something like it's not my fault that yeah. you're two hours behind or so i thought i said no something no like, you didn't no, you may have thought my, that my but- joke is not why you guys are frustrated <laughs> it's because you're two hours behind that you're frustrated not my joke but anyway that's this episode. So when you say, when you say like, you weren't on the bridge for that opening scene, I wonder if I had gotten myself out of that scene. Maybe. Like maybe I had said, do you really need me in this scene? I don't say anything. Like, can I, I don't know. can I go see my kids thing? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Um, but that's but this in that, episode. That's so crazy. Cause I remember that happening later, like season four or five, but this, it was you're this saying ep- it's here. Okay. Yep. Wow, the seal. This episode really has some, some, you know, has some triggers for you, my friend. Um, I, I would have to say, in that opening scene, what was notable, what was of note to me is that Janeway is standing in your station, basically. She's and and Balana is off to in that side station, off to the right, uh, 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 near Tuvok, and um, so she talks and she talks to to Balana, and then she asks me to do something. And then when I respond to her, it's clear that my eyeline is off. It's like, what am I looking like? The, where where they directed me to look, where Jim yeah, directed kind of me like... to look, I'm not. I'm like, I, I should have looked further right to see Janeway, but instead it would look like I was looking at the left or something, like to the left of you if you're facing yeah. the view screen. So, um, and so I just wanted to bring up just so the fans and everyone out there listening can understand that a lot of times, you know, when we we're filming especially on our close-ups, they'll give us an eye line uh, that has nowhere near uh, uh, where the other person should be. Like in that case, that was off. But other times to make it look right, we'll, they'll say, okay, look at the corner of the mat box. Uh, you know, the right corner right here. They'll put a little X right there. And the mat box is, the, is that piece of plastic on the front of the lens that mm-hmm. keeps the glare from from going in the lens. So yeah. sometimes you're looking right next to the lens. Yeah, you're looking right next to the lens, line. which is, yeah. I, you would agree, at least for, I, I think for me, every time I have to do that, 
it's awkward because like you're hearing the other actors say the lines and they're like off to the you know far right but yet yeah you're looking right to the left or the just to the right of yeah. the of the map box and you're acting with a piece of plastic and the, yeah. or a little piece of tape you know that's yeah. like put an x and then you're you're trying to keep up mm -hmm. your intention and, and your motivation and you're going through all your rigmaroles as an it's actor it's very difficult looking sometimes looking at a, a piece of tape or sometimes they would yeah. take what's called a C stand, which is that stand you see on film sets. And they yeah. put a, uh, like a piece of a black flag, which yeah. is like a piece of, of a velvet, square fabric, square yeah. fabric that's maybe two by three or something. And they put an X of tape on that. And then they'd raise it up in the air. And that would be your eyeline for an alien or species 8472. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be looking at this thing on a stand with a square on it, an X. Yeah, it can be very strange sometimes. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's just off-putting, and it just yeah. as and for those aspiring actors out there, that's when you've got to focus even more on on listening to what the other actor is saying and and the and the given circumstances of your scene, so that it doesn't pull you out, so that you're not thinking this is ridiculous. I'm not even looking at the actor. I'm looking at a piece of, of tape on a black fabric, or looking at just to the right of the yeah. camera. Well, you it, it's a challenge for sure. Yeah. Okay, what we've learned is that Welsh rabbit. <laughs> is what Janeway's grandfather used to make for her. Yes. And Neelix doesn't, doesn't even know what a what rabbit a ra is. He doesn't know what a rabbit is. He's like, what's a rabbit? And he's like, is this are you interviewing, interviewing a replacement? Is a replacement chef? <laughs> yeah. He's worried about being replaced. Uh, yeah. I'd also like to say that this is the episode where there are three Garrets in this episode. You know, there are three Roberts on Voyager, right? Robert Duncan McNeil, Robert oh, Picardo, yes, and Robert right. uh, Beltran. But there are three Garrets. The Q2, which I call him Q2, the secondary Q, uh -huh. is played by Garrett Graham. He spells his name G-E-R-R-I-T, which is the Dutch spelling. Mm -hmm. it's the Dutch spelling and it means brave with the spear is what Garrett means. So there's that Garrett. Then there's Garrett me. And there is also in that initial scene where we talk about Welsh rabbit, you see the camera pan across and you see all the extras, yeah. all the background actors that are in there. Uh, Ayala's there, Tarek Ergen is standing up there, but mm -hmm. there's also an Asian gentleman with slicked back hair in gold uniform yet once again i don't know what it is they've got to put every asian person in a gold uniform that's garrett sato my friend garrett sato so oh. he's from hawaii so i i just i think that's a little piece of trivia there. three garrett's three garrett's in this episode exactly nice all right we learn in that scene that uh, q is being held against his will in this comet mm -hmm. and uh that he wants to die we learn yeah. that for the first time yeah, I, I love the moment. Uh, I was very moved by the moment where he meets Cass and he knows immediately he's like, oh, you have such a short lifespan, nine years. Mm, yeah. Um, and he's really emotional about that, which is was, you know, early in the episode, just a, a, a really touching moment and interesting moment. Yeah. Um, and then he goes and, and uh, does his thing and all the men disappear, <laughs> which I thought was... <laughs> was fascinating and a great setup for Q John Delancey Q1 to show up and be you know the male chauvinist that he is and make all the comments about the the Valkyrie you know what did the Valkyrie take over this ship it's all women here yeah um <laughs> ship of Valkyries yes yeah the ship funny. of Valkyries <laughs> what do you think of his um the hand movement do you think he came up with that was that written in the script he did this little which is very Janeway-esque because Janeway does the double 
double finger thing, mm -hmm. you know, a lot. She'll point towards things with double finger. And this guy did like a, a swirl and an up movement, whereas Delancey does a snap whenever he does a cue thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering if that was just a, an actor decision or not, I but was. I thought that I bet was it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved uh, Delancey's line. Did anyone ever tell you you're angry when you're beautiful? You're beautiful. <laughs> I loved it. It's like, God, what a show. It's so, it's so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. Um, we're in the, the scene where Chakotay, where you say we're under attack and Chakotay goes by a ship and then you go by, by, I almost thought it was a glitch because like you, you, I've never, you just kept repeating by and bye. I was like, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> that's when we were like at the subatomic level and there was, what was yeah, it? Yes. That's right. So yeah. Some, you, some... you, you went sling blade on us though. Bye. Mm, bye. bye. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Well, we become subatomic and then we became a cool. Christmas tree ornament. Yes. I, I love that moment when we're a Christmas tree ornament because we really were a Christmas tree ornament. So that, that's what I wrote down. My notes were, is this scene, did this scene predate the actual hallmark Voyager ship, the Voyager ship Christmas ornament? I don't think so. Or, I think I think they came out with that the very first Christmas. The first Christmas? Yeah, I think so. Really? Because I, I kept so. thinking, well, maybe this is what gave them the idea to have the Christmas one as a ship. But regardless, it was funny. All I thought about was Hall Hallmark. Me too. Point. I thought about the Hallmark Christmas tree Voyager. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I loved Delancey looking inside and, you know, that whole point of view. That was nice. And then he sort of climbed in. He climbed in the... Uh, the view screen do you remember that and sort of lay yeah. down on the he's lit yeah yeah that sort of playgirl pose that he yeah. was doing over there yeah. that was that Very was different funny. um why do cues have dark colored lips lip color what's up with well that? the other the quinn Q, q2 did not have dark color i think that he was did in certain scenes though robbie certain scenes in certain light his, the thing is, Delancey's lips are bigger and fuller than oh. Garrett Graham's. Garrett Graham's are thinner. But in certain lights, I did see the darker coloring on his lips, too. I think and it I'm was wondering... just a choice in when when Delancey first came on as Q on T in this character. In TNG. TNG. Yeah, I think so. They gave him the dark lips then. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Maybe they well, Q's love also, eating chocolate, and that's just a stain the, from chocolate. Wasn't the first time we saw Q in TNG... He had that whole the Q costume, the big yeah, fancy, he had the yeah, the black hat, and it was black very hat. It was a lot of black in that costume. Yeah, so I bet they did this black lipstick to sort of be part of the whole package. And then when he came on our show, he was just in a Starfleet, one of our Starfleet uniforms. Yeah, but they were like, well, we got to keep the black black lipstick because it wasn't that that wouldn't be makeup. That would just be part of what your lip color was. So yeah, okay, yeah. All right. That, Just curious. that would make sense to me that they sort of got stuck with it with the original design mm -hmm. of his costume and everything. Um, yeah. So uh, finally, Janeway's like, you know, I can't take this anymore. And she agrees to hear arguments for his asylum for Q2 mm -hmm. wants asylum. Mm -hmm. And, and Delancey Q says, all right, if, if you win, this argument, then we will agree to make you mortal and you can kill yourself. Yeah. That's how confident he is that he's not going to lose this. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, off we go. The trial of cues. Yes. I want to, I want to add that Delancey would have made a great Vulcan 
with the amount of eyebrow raises he does <laughs> throughout this episode. Yes. He's he's so good at the end. Of, not everyone can independently raise one eyebrow that much higher than the other one. And he does such a great job at that. That's just one, one of my notes here. Uh, we, uh, I, we, we do see Delancey. I did notice he, he says at one point, uh, yes, let's do this trial, Janeway, mm -hmm. and we'll see yeah. if the pants really fit. And he looks at her butt. He did does you notice that? He, yeah, we'll he see if the he, he goes, we'll see if the uh, and he pauses and looks down at her bum. Yeah. And he goes, the pants really fit. Yeah. I found a lot of chauvinistic comments from Q yes. Delancey yeah. Q. But I think that he's kind of superior to everybody. Like he was superior to Picard. He's superior to he just had an ego and a yeah. and a cockiness with everyone. Yeah but it sort of played out as a chauvinistic sort of angle with the, with. Yeah. Jane that wasn't West. the only, that wasn't the only gender kind of, you know, uh, offensive comment. He made another one or I can't remember what it was now, but yeah, it was also very just like, Ooh. Mm, yeah. He was definitely that. mix yeah. mixing it up in the, uh, in the gender, the gender uh, assaults on her and, and comments yeah. and criticisms and yeah. snarky. Yeah snarky comments that he would make but For i think sure. that's very much his character people love that character they love q mm -hmm. um so that's uh, true. we come back in the next act and tuvok is in his quarters reading and all of a sudden q2 or quinn appears right up in his face mm -hmm. and tuvok says have the q always had an absence of manners or is it mm -hmm. the result of some natural evolutionary process that comes with omnipotence I thought that was amazing. I loved, I loved his reading of that line. Have the Q always had an absence of manners? Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> that was a good Tim line. Russ is just that was a good line. awesome. He is good. I, I was thinking that too when I was going through this episode. I'm like, Tim is so damn good as a Vulcan. It's just He's like really good. Yeah, he was really good as the, and, as, as the lawyer. Yes. And my joke is as long as I've been going to conventions is that the reason why he's so good at his character is because he is truly Vulcan in real life. That's why yes, he's so damn good. Um, I love that uh, Q2 or Quinn, as we learned to call him, uh, he talks about how the, the Q appear omnipotent, but they're not. They have evolved, but they've sacrificed a lot, he says. Mm -hmm. And um, and we also learn that that Tuvok says, you know, Vulcans practice ritual suicide, which I thought was very interesting because I didn't, I did not know that about Vulcans, that they practiced ritual suicide, that they yeah. allowed it. And, um, and it seemed because we know Vulcans live a very long life. He said yeah. when they become sick or infirmed, <clears throat> that they, that, that it is common that they uh, allow and support ritual suicide. Yeah. Which I, I thought was it makes sense with Vulcans who are looking at this from a logical place logical. And, a, and, mm -hmm. a, and an empathetic place without emotion. Just, uh, yeah. I, th I thought it made a lot of sense. So it was interesting to hear that. Well, they also make mention that, you know, in the court proceedings, I guess they, they make mention of um, many cultures mm -hmm. uh, utilize suicide. Um, but when it comes to Western cultures, specifically Christian-based societies like the United States, mm -hmm. um, suicide is a sin. You know, yeah. in the body, you're not supposed to kill yourself, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're you are you are uh, uh, committing a sin by committing suicide. Mm -hmm. So, 
So, you know, this, you know, the, the whole notion of suicide, especially for modern Western culture is, is, is a huge deal. It's a really, really big yeah. issue. And it's clearly, this story is really well done. It's clearly a, a puzzle, an intellectual and emotional puzzle, mm-hmm. and just an instinctual puzzle for, for Janeway. She really struggles with it. Yeah. Um, I loved when Delancey doubled himself. He said, I want to call a witness uh, of the very esteemed... <laughs> me or something <laughs> and he snaps and there he is talking to himself it was just very funny yeah so how easy was that for them to film that where Boy, delancey delancey actually crosses behind other delancey which i thought maybe that they, he wasn't allowed to do that but well uh, they probably filmed the the delancey who was in the background first mm-hmm. and they probably locked off the camera is my guess so okay. that it was it was locked down very hard and you know didn't move yeah and they filmed him in the background probably with not even a chair or anything there Uh, and then they probably rolled in a green you know eight eight by eight foot by eight foot or ten foot by ten foot green into that space and put a chair in front of it and then sat john down and he did the uh the seated portion separately and then they could put those together but it is very tricky and very time consuming and yeah. hard to sometimes get a, a real, when you've got the same actor supposed to be looking at himself, Yeah, you're often guessing at the, the eye lines there, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't quite line up with the distance and the angle that it should be. So to right. me, it, felt, it was just a little bit off. A little bit off. Yeah. And also weren't we dealing at some point in the very beginning with blue screen? before green screen i think we were uh, i remember that i mean that we had blue screens and sometimes we'd have blue because the green the green is uh what they're looking for is just a really specifically um unnatural color to sort of key off of so that the computer will look for the green color or the blue color that's not anywhere else in any fabrics or any skin tone or whatever and then it will it will replace all of that green but sometimes the spill, the light spill off of a green screen will make the actors look a little green or the wall look a little green or oh. things like that. So they'll sometimes put a blue in there because it feels more natural that it spill, you know, the bounce of the light on the wall or something. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. All right. I felt, I felt like I noticed a little green screen spill in the, uh, in the briefing room, which by the way, they took out our briefing room table and put in the the judges chambers you know the the judges desk where kate sat and the other two desks and i just thought yeah. that was interesting because that i've never seen our briefing room redecorated for any other episode until now that's the first time i was like oh they literally moved it out like i don't know what the logic of that is or where those tables came from right on our ship but that's the only time i've ever seen that room redressed in that way huh Okay. Um, also, um, back to two Vox quarters, and I know I'm going back a little bit. Yeah, I'm so jealous. He had a full size couch. He had sofa. a big. I know he had big quarters. He had a big. <laughs> I'm jealous of two big quarters. His big sofa. You, by the way, said something. Speaking of innuendo, uh, you, by the way, on the bridge and like that that early scene goes, "Oh, that won't be a problem to penetrate, Captain." You had some line early on. <laughs> what? It was the comet. She was like, Ensign, can you, uh, you know, isolate the, uh, the below the crust of the comet and, you know, 
to beam it aboard. And we cut to you and you're like, no problem, Captain. That'll be easy to penetrate. In this episode? <laughs> yes. I was like, <laughs> Garrett. All right. I felt like you were you were giving I, it a little innuendo that was not appropriate. Okay, not appropriate. Was I ensign innuendo? You were ensign innuendo. Okay, I'm yes. gonna have to look for that. I did not see that, but I'll have to look for that. By the way, okay, so back to the trial. Yes. I forget who I just wrote the note down: suicide versus capital punishment. You know, yeah. a society that condones and allows capital punishment, but yet outlaw suicide makes no sense no logical yeah. sense it might have Correct. been Tuvok in this thing but i thought Correct. that was an interesting argument that like yeah um yeah there's just a lot of very interesting intellectual arguments i think um instinctually for me my instinct is that human nature wants to just from an animal place wants to we fight to survive if someone throws mm -hmm. us in the water we try to swim we don't mm -hmm. You know, we try to we fight for drown. We yeah. don't just drown. Yeah, we fight for life. So I guess from a, for me, this is just my, you know, my perspective. I guess it's hard for me to comprehend. Um, you know, choosing not to swim. I guess you know, I I understand it intellectually, but from like a just nature place, I I wonder like, why wouldn't I want to keep trying to swim? Why wouldn't I want to? And so it's it's a puzzle. This is a tricky episode because intellectually I can understand some things that on an emotional or you know uh, another level I can't. It's 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 yeah. very it's very challenging. Well, just watching this episode made me think of um, uh, the famous uh, Dr. Kevorkian, who was yeah. you know uh, assisting people who were terminally ill and in major pain, and they and he was basically going to their home and assisting their suicide, assisting yeah. their death, and and it was illegal. And yeah. I still, is it still, I think it's still illegal, isn't it? In most, this country? Or most I don't know state, the, I most don't know states in America, it is illegal. I know it's yeah. it's not illegal. I think in Oregon or Washington state, there's a, there's a handful right. of states where um, assisted suicide is legal. I know in, in other countries and Europe and things, assisted suicide is legal. It, you know, I I'll say again, this is just my opinion in, in a very complicated subject, yeah. but my opinion is if someone is suffering from disease and there is, we're, we're you know, you're in a hospice situation where there is no cure. There is only managing, you know, pain and, yeah. and distress and things yeah. like that. Yeah. I can understand um, the choice to want to have a, a, a an easy death and to have a, a comfort, comfortable um, goodbye of your own choosing rather than letting nature do its ravages and drag someone through suffering or you know i've yeah. lost both of my parents to cancer yeah. i'll be blunt and cancer is just a, a horrible disease and the suffering and the pain that i saw both of my parents go through i would not wish on my worst enemy um, yeah. so you know um suffering and pain um if there's a way that we can help people um you know with that um, anyway, I'm, I'm very supportive of that intellectually and emotionally, you know, just yeah. being kind and, and, and limiting and minimizing suffering for anybody. Um, yeah. So, and that, that I thought was interesting in this episode because Janeway uses that argument. She says, you know, she says at one point, like, I need to be convinced of some kind of suffering that you're, 
Like if you can just show me, you know, to Q2, show me where I don't see the suffering, but if you can show me, I can, I could, I could vote for you. I could, you know, I thought that was in, that came to my mind when that, when that part uh, was coming up. I thought, I thought having Frakes and Ginsburg and Isaac Newton pop in for their little cameos, I thought was really, uh, was really a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, Frakes in that one scene with his, his, uh, his great, great, you know, great grandparent and, in the civil war thing I thought was very interesting. For me, the theme of this episode was about choices and how the most important choices that we make in life can be a complicated paradox, that there is no easy answers and that there are shades of gray in every experience that we have. Like it's not that simple, just like this story of which cue is right and which cue is wrong, you know, is wanting death because of, or, you know, whatever, wanting whatever you want uh, because you've had an experience and that's your experience. Um, Is that good or bad or better or worse than what might seem noble? The other cue, Delancey's cue, Q1, wanting to say, no, suicide is bad. We have to protect him and our, and our continuum and our culture. Mm. They seem noble if you just look at it quickly, but you look at it deeper and there's a lot. So there's nothing that is black and white. There's nothing. Yeah. Especially the more important, the, the, the more consequential, the, the situation. Anyway, yes, that to me is the theme is the paradox of no easy choice. Now on my theme, I always feel that uh, it's similar to yours. I just said that I feel that um, we must be open to the fact that there are always exceptions to the rule, that mm. there is always a gray area, and that the danger of being too hard line about something is is mm-hmm. that is the danger. You know, when mm-hmm. you're saying, "Okay, this is the end all be all. This is the rule that we say," and there's gray area. There's always mm-hmm. something. You know, you have to you have to really take each case individually and and dissect it and understand it before making that decision. You mm-hmm. know, so. Um, yeah. So yeah, very, very complex episode. Complex terms. episode. Yeah. And and it's great because at the very end, Q1, Delancey, actually is the person that provides Q2, Quinn, with the hemlock, which is yeah. nowhere on the ship. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So even, yeah. even that Q at the end, even though he lost, he was yeah. like, wow, I do see what you're saying. You know, let me help yeah. you. Let me assist you. He became the, the Kevorkian for Quinn yeah. in a way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting episode. Um, I think that it's it's also was fascinating to me. You know, so much got covered. It's it's impossible for us in this review to go through all of the arguments that were made, you know, as yep. as that trial closed out. Right. Um, they do go to the continuum. They see it's a road in the middle of a desert. They see an abandoned gas station, and it's pretty boring there. <laughs> I mean, if that's yeah. if that's their way of communicating what the continuum is. I get it. I get both Delancey's Q1 sort of, hey, it's utopia, it's peaceful, it's everything's good. I get that argument. I also get the, oh my God, I want to kill myself because this is, there's nothing to live for anymore. Um, yeah, you've been there, done that. You know, yeah. that, that line where he's like, we've all played the scarecrow. Like everyone's, you know, everyone's yeah. done everything in that yeah. continuum that they can be done can multiple be done. times and they're yeah. like okay so yeah there's I, I, they said uh q2 uh, quinn says something like well 
uh, there's nothing left to explore. It's just life is futile and meaningless and hopeless without anything left to explore. And gotcha. the disease, he says, the disease is, you know, trying to relate it to disease for humans. Like if someone got cancer, yeah, to be kind and allow them to, to commit assisted suicide. If they had that sort of disease, he says, our disease is immortality. Yeah. And that's the disease. I thought it was interesting that Hugh Delancey comes back and tries to offer to bribe her shows up in her quarters and says, look, there's yeah. earth right there. Look what I'll give you. If you just play our, you know, whatever you want, well, just let us win. Um, yeah. I, I loved Janeway's line when she says, he says, can we have a sidebar? Can we go to your quarters for a, you know, a, a meeting as, as the trial's wrapping up? And she goes, you've been in my chambers enough for one visit, sir. You have been in my chambers enough, <laughs> sir. Sir, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, I think it was interesting that Janeway chose to allow Q2 Quinn to win this argument and mm. to be granted his mortality so that he can kill himself. But I think she did it really believing that she could sell him on now that you're a human, you have the ability to have all these new experiences and yeah. all these amazing treasures that the human experience. And she even convinced me in the story. I was like, Oh, wow. Clever yeah. move, Janeway. Like that's right. nice move. You gave him what he wanted, but you, yeah. you've come, you know, it seems like we're going to get a happy ending here. Yeah. And I was really surprised that it wasn't a happy ending that, you know, the doctor uh, calls him up and that, and that Q Delancey Q uh, is the one that provided this. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Fascinating, a fascinating story. Very, yeah. Very it's a episode. thinker people. This is a thinker is. episode. All right, I'd just like to quickly mention, um, once again, for those of you that are listening that are not our Patreon patrons, uh, Patreon will offer bonus material that you can listen to. And you can get that bonus material by going to patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers and subscribing today. Mm -hmm.